Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to episode 154 of Wheel Bearings. Uh, I'm Sam Abul Sandwich from Guidehouse Insights. I'm Rebecca Lindland from Rebecca Drives. And... Dan is AWOL somewhere. He should be here soon, I hope. But, <laughs> but I got to go. I got to introduce myself second now, though. Yeah, all right. I got to be second this time. Yay! <laughs> and uh, we are recording live in Zoom tonight. We're doing another live Zoom event. Hey, Rick, is that your van in your picture behind you? Because that's super cool. Yes, it is. That's awesome. I, yeah, that's my van. Uh, it's, it's like 35,000 miles on it. No uh, way. Yeah. What year is it? 94. <gasps> How is that possible? Where has it been? Um, I, you know, I don't know. I got the inspection reports from it when I bought it from a dealership here in Virginia called Japanese Classics. And when they imported it over, it had the inspection reports and everything in it from about 2004 back. It looks like they used it a little bit and then put it away and maybe did maybe 500,000 <laughs> kilometers a year on it. So it's, it's, it's been resprayed, um, had a timing belt done on it, but it's really clean. That's amazing. So, but isn't that, I mean, I always feel like, and we've talked about this on the podcast before. I always feel like cars that sit, that's not always good for them. No. And, and I guess they drove it enough that the date and they, like I said, they did that annual, that Japanese inspection every two years or whatever. And I wow. have all work. So they, they kept up after it and just the shape that it's in, it wasn't used for a whole lot of work or anything like that. So that's amazing. That's awesome. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. And then on yeah. the other side, uh, let me see. Yeah. That's, that, is that's, that your RF? Yeah. I just got the RF uh, a couple of months ago. Nice. With the deals and everything I had to get, had to get it. It does have oh. the proper conf- pedal configuration, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That's good to hear. Yeah, I, I, after driving the van, um, I wanted to definitely get back into a, a manual transmission car because I was commuting in a Mazda 6 for a while. And I was like, all right, I, I want this. <laughs> you know, I wanted to get back in it with a manual. Cool. Very cool. Uh, what about uh, Eric and Will? What are you guys up to this week? Just working, honestly. I've been working from home since, geez, it, like March 13th for my company. And then um, they just said the other day, we're not going back to at least the, the end of September now. So it's just, yeah. And in my job, I mean, I work from home three days a week and two days in the office anyway. So it's not been a, we already have the infrastructure in place for remote working, but so that wasn't a real challenge. It's just the real social distancing is getting a bit crazy after three months, four months, three, four months, whatever it is now. Will, what are you up to this week? Uh, basically the same thing like Eric is just working from home and just trying to finish a bunch of stuff I've been trying to work on right now on the side with like car stuff. And, you know, I've been working from home since March 12th and, you know, in a meeting like a couple weeks ago, my workplace is like, well, we have no idea when we're going to be back in the office. Your guess is good as ours. <laughs> okay. 
that that's, that's great. That, I that's, think that's an increasing trend among a lot of companies, and you know that's that's going to have some big impacts uh, potentially on car sales and you know a lot of other aspects of the economy. You know how people use cars. I think will be different now. If you, I, I think that people still will require a car, and of course now with the concerns about sharing, car sharing, Uber and Lyft, and and you know ride hailing, let alone car sharing, I do think that how we use our cars will be different, and maybe that idea of of you know maybe you go for a drive to get away from your family, first of all. <laughs> oh, I've been uh, employing that a lot over the right? past few weeks. <laughs> you know, you take a conference call in the car instead, hopefully not a Zoom meeting. But, you know, um, the idea that, you know, your car becomes a sanctuary again, right? Like you don't have your commute anymore, but you're still utilizing it. It's just different. And you're kind of just driving aimlessly around a little bit. So I think that there's still plenty of opportunities for us to use cars, but maybe just a little bit differently since we won't have a commute. So we got Dan with us. Hey, Dan. You're, good there e- you are. So good evening. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm late. We were about to get into what we're driving. Uh, Rebecca, what have you been in? So I, I just lately, I've been getting two cars, um, an embarrassment of riches. And these were two very contrasting vehicles. Uh, the first one was the trusty Prius. This one was actually an all-wheel drive version of it, which was interesting. Um, and then the other one was the was the Nissan Titan Pro 4X, uh, six five point six liter V eight. So, so, so four by was, fours all around. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, <laughs> four by fours all around. So you know, we'll start with the Prius. So the Prius is, you know, I just describe it as sort of this workhorse, right? It's a fuel sipping workhorse. It is. The challenge for Prius is that while it may have been one of the first with obviously a nod towards the Honda Insight, it is no longer what I think is the best. And, you know, in the previous podcast, we talked about the Honda, the um, the Hyundai Sonata Hybrid, which was just so good. And you're getting almost 50 miles per gallon with no compromises. And I just, you know, the, the Prius is... It is what it is, but I feel like the competition is just so much greater now that there's a lot more choices and there's a lot of really good choices. And, you know, of course, that Entune system is just a freaking nightmare. It doesn't have Android Auto, so I couldn't even really test it out. And when I did sort of try and get it to do things, you know, crazy things like take me home, it would argue with me. And so, you know, the Entune system just is not user-friendly at all. The other parts of the car, you know, the, the visibility is good. Um, it, it, we did establish, it does have that annoying beeping sound when it's in reverse, but it doesn't have as much of that whine that the Honda CRV hybrid, which we apparently have now established is on purpose. So it's, you know, there's pros and cons of the Prius. I think overall it was fine. It was, it was fine. And it's, you know, I think I got about, uh, I got 52 miles per gallon, which is fantastic because I'm not hyper miler, a miler. I wasn't shy about it. I just drove it the way I normally drive. And so, you know, so that's pretty good if that is your main priority. But 
you have to be completely dedicated to fuel economy in order to really enjoy the Prius. Whereas I feel like with the something like the Hyundai Sonata hybrid, you can just be dedicated to having a really good car. But I think the Prius, um, because it's a hatchback, gives you a little bit more utility. It does. And when I was putting together my review for shameless plug, Rebecca drives.com, um, <laughs> I, I did make note of the fact that, that it is a hybrid. Uh, it is a hatchback. There is certainly a sense of utility that comes with it, which in some ways I feel like the CRV or the RAV4 hybrid is the better competitor for it than yeah. maybe the, the Hyundai Sonata. Yeah, I think the the Rav Four Hybrid is probably if it's not already their top selling hybrid, it's it's going it, to be. It it is by a pretty wide margin. Like last yeah. year, I think they were down to about sixty sixty five or sixty seven thousand Priuses sold. Yeah, you know, compared to you know in twenty ten, it was two hundred and fifty thousand, um, and they sold just shy of a hundred thousand Rav Four Hybrids last year. So it was almost a quarter of Rav Fours were hybrids last year. So what percentage of the market is hybrid now? It's still, you know, it's, it's not, it's a little more than 2%. Um, so it, it's, wow. it's about two, 2.2% roughly. But and I know I, people will say, cause gas is cheap. It, that's part of it. But also, you know, some of the hybrids that we had a few years ago, you know, have gone away, but there's right now we're in the middle of a launch cycle of a whole bunch of new hybrids. There, you know, there's a, right. a lot of new hybrid products coming to market, particularly from Ford. Um, you know, Toyota, you know, already has hybrid versions of almost everything they sell. Uh, Ford is going to have hybrid versions of pretty much everything left in the lineup within the next year or so. Um, cause all their new SUVs, um, are going to have electrified options. So they're going to be either hybrid or plug-in hybrid in some cases, battery electric, you know, like the, the transit and the, um, uh, the F-150 as well. Um, so, you know, they're going to have hybrids across the board. GM is dropping, you know, they've dropped all their hybrids. They're not doing hybrids anymore. Um, FCA is also going to be launching a bunch of hybrids, particularly for Jeep. Uh, they're, you know, they're bringing a bunch of plug-in hybrids to the market uh, this year. Uh, so, you know, and, and other manufacturers, Honda is also expanding their hybrid offerings. So we're going we're gonna to see a bunch more hybrids. And I think that that market share for hybrids is going to climb Probably, you know, it might it might actually climb pretty significantly, you know, because they're putting hybrids, you know, into these very popular nameplates like the Rav Four, the CRV, the F one fifty. You know, we don't know, you know, what kind of percentage of F one fifties are going to be sold as hybrids, but it, it could be pretty significant. Uh, so, do you think that um, the popularity of the Tesla has done a bit to flatten demand for hybrids because we talked about this uh i guess a couple episodes ago or, or we even mentioned it last week but just the prius was a it was one of those things you consumed you you drove it to be seen driving it um mm. and now yeah. that's that's sort of tesla and other high-end electrics yeah i mean i think among people that are driving it you know to virtue signal then yes, they've shifted from <laughs> Priuses to, to Model 3s and Model Ys. Right. Um, you know, because, you know, it used to be, you know, you, if you were in LA, you know, you'd see Priuses everywhere. Same thing in the Bay Area. Now, when you go to California, you know, when you see a Prius, probably nine times out of 10, it's a taxi or, or right. a Lyft, you know, or Uber. 
Um, you know, it's not somebody just driving it to, to drive it. People that are driving their vehicle, you know, they're using it as their, their personal transportation that want a virtue signal, they're buying an EV. You know, and then Prius drivers are using them as cabs because they're so fuel efficient and you know they're, they're roomy enough as hell too. Like they yeah, don't... they'll they'll run forever and they're and they're um, you know they're they're fairly uh, fairly roomy and you know so they're practical for that use case. Right, yeah. and also it, a lot of times you got other bennies with access to the, the HOV lane, oh, things like true. that. Right, so right. that was a big incentive. You don't get that anymore. And even if you have an old sticker, the HOV lane isn't moving any faster than any of the other lanes. You know, why well, I, I haven't had honestly for the last few months, I haven't had any problems with traffic. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I've had trouble keeping my up, speed down up, up, up until February of this year. The HOV yeah. lanes often weren't going much faster than the rest of the lanes. Yes, but. exactly. So that so that Prius, it was thirty one thousand delivered, which is really pretty good. This was the um, all wheel drive, the XLE, which is their top of the line. Uh, starts at twenty four thousand, um, but this one was thirty one and change. I did recommend. I really like the advanced technology package which had the heads up display. It wasn't as useful as it could have been, but for people that like that, um, and then it also has the adaptive front lighting system, 800 bucks. I thought that was a good recommendation to spring for that package. I, you know, again, it's, I mean, 52.4 miles in really hot summer weather, definitely a mix of transport of, you know, highway and city. So overall, I think it's, you know, it's the Prius, you know what you're going to get. And as long as you have an Apple phone, you should be fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say, so um, we'll get to it when I talk about my vehicle this week, but they've finally added uh, Apple CarPlay to at least some Toyotas and mm -hmm. it's not terrible. Um, it's still, it's much better than in tune. It took them forever. Um, well, I had, oh, I'm okay. sorry. I have the, I had the Lexus RX 350 this week also, which I'll talk about next week. And that behaved much better. Yeah, so maybe the Prius is just behind the curve. You know? Yes. All right. What about the Titan? So the Titan was a lot of fun. I had to go to Home Depot and this other um, rings end it's called, which is the oh, local. Oh yeah. Lumber place. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I had to, I had to do lumber things. So a few things that I really liked about the Titan. First of all, it's a total looker. So I was on one of my trips to Home Depot. I, one of my girlfriends called a business colleague and who's also a very good friend. So I ended up sitting in the Home Depot parking lot for about half an hour. Every guy that walked by that truck stopped, looked at it, made a point to see what kind of pickup truck it was. It was that really cool sort of camo beige you know, mm -hmm. like, like the desert camo, like the desert camo color and, and this beautiful sort of enamel, you know, feeling yeah. of the paint. I love that finish, but it's just a really good looking truck. It was very easy for me to get in and out of, which yep. is significant. Running boards were useful without being intrusive. I, you know, I just, it was a really comfortable truck. The turning radius was like, was like navigating the Titanic. It is <laughs> gigantic. You know, my, my lower driveway is a, is a horseshoe shape and it required multiple point turns to try and like get that thing. <laughs> you just gotta, no, you're just supposed to drive over things. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I, had this, a curb. I had this six and a half foot bed. So I had the king cab and the six and a half foot bed. Yeah. So it was just a gigantic truck. But I mean, it's fun as heck when you get on the highway to have a V8 engine and just. Yeah, brrr, yeah the, v, the VK56 <laughs> is a good V8 too. God, I love the way that thing sounds. Yes, exactly. Uh, it's, it, they, they made it more powerful a few years ago. Um, so it's not one of those, like we were talking about a little while ago, the, one of the weakling V8s. I think it has more than 400 horsepower now. Yeah, yes. it's, it's, it's 400. Uh, it's it's uh, exactly 400. And, and the, tit- yeah. the Titan, you know, the current generation Titan also has really good driving dynamics. You know, it's- but, but it does. I mean, it, I never, I was conscious of driving a full-size pickup truck a little bit more so than I have been in, say, the Chevy Silverado or the GMC Sierra. Um, I am quite partial to those. I feel like those driving dynamics are really, really good. But this Titan, I thought it was certainly improved from the previous generation, which I drove a couple of years ago. Uh, it was still very trucky. Um, and, you know, whenever I was driving it in, in town, it was, you know, figuring out a parking space was always exciting. Um, it, just, it, I will crush you. It, yes. <laughs> just park wherever you want. Right? I shall crush your BMW. Right. Um, it does fit. I have a picture of it. I'll post. It fits exactly into a Home Depot parking space. Not an inch is given. I they, mean, do you think maybe they do math to figure that out? Like what, what is the like? I wouldn't be at all surprised. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was so exact because it has a fantastic camera. You know, all the sensors. Oh, the, yeah, the over the 360, right, the 360 yeah, camera, well. yeah. which they do it incredibly well. And so, yes, it was always sort of a challenge to say, can I get it right in the middle of the parking space? And, uh, yes. So I, I really liked it. And um, this one is 47 and change, you know, pickup trucks are incredibly expensive these days. Yeah. But, so that's a, that's a 1500 though, right? Like it's not a, yes. it's a light yes. that's not the XD. No. No, it's just the 1500. Yeah. So, you know, they're expensive, but again, yeah. this thing is a looker. I got to tell you, I mean, it really, it, it was really, really nice. Tons of safety features on it. I, I, unfortunately, I'm always disappointed when I always want to like be able to tow these things or, you know, do something, but, um, and then it has the little kick out step, uh, in the mm-hmm. back for, for access to the, uh, the bed, the, you know, the tailgate is pretty standard. It doesn't have a lot of the bells and whistles that a GMC has, but it was fine. It was, you know, the, the, the little step out certainly helps. Uh, it's not ideal, but it's better than nothing, which is I, what I, the previous Ram had. I, I got to ask you, Rebecca, you know, given that you are um, of slightly less uh, physical stature <laughs> than, uh, than I am, um, you know, having driven the, the GM trucks, they have the, the step and the bumper. Yes. And, you know, this one, the Titan has a step that you, know, you can step on it and push it down, you know, so it go, reaches down a little bit lower. Do you, do you find the, the step bumper on the, uh, the GM trucks, you know, is, is that, is that at a reasonable height that it's usable for you or is it too high? It's a very valid question. I find it reasonable. Okay. I also really like the, it ha- they have a grip, right? That's built into the rail of the pickup truck mm-hmm. bed. And so with the GM trucks, um, I will very easily be able to step and and pull up when James Bell, who's now at Kia, he and I did a satellite media tour where you do like 38 
two minute interviews in a row. We started at literally four o'clock in the morning and that was on the, I think it was the Chevy Silverado. And we both kind of had to spend a lot of time getting in and out. And I didn't have any problems with that. He's obviously much taller. So he was able to get in very easily, but he could just step right up. and uh, Right. But (laughs) I think I haven't had any issues with it. Really. The only one that I had issues with was when was the, the traditional truck bed that Ram had when it first came out. And then they actually did, they obviously have a much more sophisticated system now for it. But I, you know, I don't love that, that kick out step that you have to do for the Titan. It's better than nothing for sure. But it's right. You sort of have to get it exactly right. Like you've got to get your foot just in there and it's, you know, it's more of an art than a science to it. Yeah, I'm also of less physical stature than you are, Tim. And I just, you know, I grab onto the side of the bed, put the foot up on the top of the tire, and just, you know, you just pull. We all need some the old school way. Yeah, we all need some activity anyway. Yeah, um, it's funny uh, talking about trucks. Uh, that I've done. I've learned a lot as my search has shifted from Mercedes wagons to pickup trucks. This is fascinating. Um, but the, the Titan is actually it was on my radar for just a a moment because I did like the way it drove <laughs> the last time I had one. Yeah. Um, I, it, it is, it's surprising because it's one of those contender trucks that never really, you know, it, it's not intended to, to sort of own the market. Um, but it, it does a really credible job at being a competitive pickup, much more than the Tundra that just feels ancient now. Yeah. Um, right. It, and, and I, I mean, I thought the, you know, for me, infotainment systems are always a challenge and this was really good it was so easy which was delightful like to actually is it the new have they updated the infotainment over the last couple of years it's been a little while since this one had the nissan connect nine inch screen okay uh driver assist display uh wi-fi hotspot i just didn't have any issues with it you know what i mean like it just I could, I connected really easily. It's got USB ports. It's got the USB-C and I just, I didn't have to think about it. It just connected really easily. It was obedient. It didn't give me attitude. You know, I liked it. Yeah. Yeah, No, it's a nice truck. Yeah. Yeah, The the interior did get an upgrade when they did the refresh last year. Yeah. Yeah. The interior was very nice. The interior was really, again, it's a super handsome truck. I mean, that thing is, is really, really good looking. Well, and they're really smart, too, to make the XD as well. So they, they actually have a heavy-duty version of their, their truck because that's actually one of, the, one of the things that I found myself scratching my head about was, you know, Toyota, they, they have a lot of truck loyalty. And so they, they make the Tacoma that has a great reputation on, and really loyal, solid fan base, although maybe it's the same guys buying them over and over again. Uh, but the, the, some of that has worn off on the Tundra too. That that also has a sort of burnished reputation. Um, but they don't make a heavy duty Tundra. There's no 2500. So you kind of, it's only ever going to be uh, a sort of a light duty pickup. And yeah, they conceded that market. I mean, when when they launched the current Tundra back in. 2008, 2009, whenever it yeah. was. <laughs> yeah, they they Back actually the, for the Bush administration. <laughs> yeah, well, they had they had plans to add a heavy duty version at that time. You know, oh, they, did they? when when they originally were doing it. Um, 
you know, <clears throat> excuse me, and they built this huge plant in San Antonio to build these trucks, you know, 250,000 unit a year capacity. And they never, you know, they never managed to get, you know, much over about 100,000 volume with the Tundra. And so, you know, they eventually scrapped the plans for the heavy duty and they ended up moving the Tacoma production from, uh, from California, you know, they were building them at, at the Numi plant. When they closed down the Numi plant and gave it to Tesla, they moved that Tacoma production to San Antonio and consolidated all the truck production there. Uh, so they never did the heavy duty. Now, you know, there should be a new, a new generation Tundra coming, I don't know, maybe this year, certainly next year. Um, and that one, maybe they'll go back and do a heavy duty this time. Maybe. We'll see. Um, you know, the thing that struck me about the Titan too, just to, to sort of jump back is, uh, you know, it has basically an infinity powertrain. Mm. It's got the, the, the V8 with the nine speed and, and that's, that's an, it's a good setup. Like you said, you know, getting on the highway, uh, it doesn't really seem to, to worry about it power wise. Um, it's towing, I think is actually pretty competitive too. I forget what it is. Off the top of my head. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a bit shy of the domestic trucks. Um, but it's, well, you know, it's not domestic bad. trucks play numbers games. I've learned. Well, <laughs> less so, less so than they used to. Cause you know, they have that SAE standard now for how they measure the towing capability. They used the, oh, the, right. the, the, the games used to be a lot worse up until, you know, now they have the J 2954 standard. I think it is. Yeah. Um, and so there's, <clears throat> it's more, consistent now when you when you measure but you know what they'll you know what they'll do is you know each manufacturer will go and continuously tweak their trucks you know as soon as somebody comes out and gets you know 100 or 200 pounds more towing capability than than yours you know then you go and tweak something and you know you come you know add another 200 pounds the next year yeah and you know they keep playing leapfrog well see and the the whole thing about towing is that that's such a nonsense number um because that's that's basically just what you can hitch to it and it's always four by twos and uh it it doesn't reflect reality because usually especially if it's a 1500 you're when you're towing you've got people in it too like you're, you're towing your rv or your horse trailer or your boat or something so you've got something you've got to look at the gross combined weight you're hitting and a lot of times it, the towing number can be high, but there's no payload. If you've got, you know, four people in it, you've ate, eaten up all your payload. And some trucks are better about this. I haven't looked at the, the Titan uh, recently um, to see what that gross combined number is. But that's really what you have to look at. And, um, you know, if, if the truck has a great tow rating, but, you know, once you put four adults in it, <laughs> it's, it's still, you know, I can't well, put I mean, anything in it. You know, when you've got... Sunk. You know, when you've got 12, 12 and a half thousand pounds of towing capability, you've usually got plenty of headroom compared to what regular consumers are ever going to tow. You're usually not going to find people towing more than eight or nine thousand pounds with a light duty pickup. Yeah. You know, if, if they need to go, you know, if they need to go 10,000 pounds or more, you know, then they're usually stepping up to a heavy duty at that yeah, point. Yeah. Well, and that's why, like, looking at the, the Titan XD, like, so the Titan itself, uh, it's 9370 uh, in a king cab like you had, Rebecca, although that's a 4x2, yep. so the 4x4 four four can tow less. Um, and then the jump to the, the Titan XD, you only get, uh, you know, another 1,500, 1,200 pounds. Like, like it's, it only jumps you up to 11,000 pounds. So, like yeah, you said, but I think, it's not, 
Yeah, but like Sam said, if you know, if you have a specific toe that you need to, like if you have a specific thing you need to toe, yeah. you're going to buy for that. Well, yeah, and Americans tow like imbeciles. Anyway, like, <laughs> we, you know, That's we generally, nice general we go, statement. <laughs> yeah, like we go too fast. We're not careful about balancing loads, you know, like the, the tongue weight is all funny. So you get these giant pickup trucks that sag because you got too much weight on the hitch and then <laughs> all your steering is iffy. And yeah, so. Tell us how you really feel. I just, I watched, watched the weekend warriors tow enough where you're just like, I'm going to give them <laughs> wide berth. Just yeah, I mean, slow right you know, down. around here, you know, mostly what you see people towing is their, their boats and their, their jet skis. Yeah. Like 90 know. miles an hour or, too. or, like or in the wintertime, they're snowmobiles. Yeah. And you know, I mean, those, you know, even, even the, the bigger boats that they're towing with a light duty truck, you know, they're usually about, you know, 4,500, 5,000 pounds max. And so, you know, it's, it's nowhere near the capacity of that truck. Anybody that's got to tow anything bigger than that, they usually buy a super duty or, you know, some other heavy duty pickup truck, you know, yeah. where you've got 20,000 pounds of towing capacity and, you know, then they're, they're taking it a little more seriously. Yeah. Hey, we have a little sidebar going on here uh, about the infinity version of a Titan. And uh, would it do better than the Lincoln F-150, otherwise known as the Blackwood, I believe, right? It was the Blackwood. <laughs> it was the oh, there was the <laughs> Yeah, the Mark LT was the the Blackwood oh, was the right. was the one with the stupid short shallow bed. That sounds like my dating life a shallow <laughs> short. Sorry, <laughs> distracted. <Yeah. laughs> um, and also, didn't it have wood in the bed? The, it, the Blackwood. Didn't well, have, the like, the outside was lined with wood. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah. And but then the inside, you know, was um, I think like stainless steel or something stupid. Some yeah. Yeah. Um, the Mark LT was basically just like a, an F one fifty with. That's with a slightly less depressing interior and a different grill, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the the Mark LT, I mean, that was two generations of F-150 ago. You know, that one, that's probably going to be roughly comparable to what this uh, what this Titan can do, you know, that 9,300-pound towing. Yeah, machine. but, I mean, you could build your own Infinity version, right? Like, this is somewhat related to the QX, right? Uh, or maybe not. No, this is no, still F no. Alpha, right? Like, yeah, it's, so, it's, yeah, it's a completely different platform. They had been similar once upon a time, and now now the QX is on the patrol. Yeah. You, but you could find an old QX. There you yes. go. An old QX, which still had an opulent interior. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dan, what were you driving this week? I didn't uh, see so I had list. the Tacoma. Um, oh, which one? Of, uh, Wait, the TRD? Yeah, the TRD Pro, which... Uh, I'm kind of, uh, I've been rather vocal about my lack of disdain. Affection. Yeah. I'm, it's not disdain. I respect Tacoma, but I, I just don't get it. it it's um, expensive. And this one is $48,000. Oh, okay. Oof. I had a different one. Mine That's was, a lot of money for a Tacoma. Mine was 45. Yeah. Um, the one I had even that. For, I mean, come on. $45,000 for Tacoma. Um, some of the reasons why I don't like it are some of the reasons why it's legit though. Um, so the Tacoma has that weird splay legged seating position because the floor is so high. Well, the reason why the floor is so high is because the lowest point on that truck is the frame rails from what I can do. I mean, there's some suspension arms that hang down a little bit lower, but you know, there's a lot of Tacoma owners who do use them off road, maybe not around here in the Northeast, but definitely out West. 
um, they are used off-road a lot. And so they're, they're a very capable truck. And part of that capability is its, depro- its approach, departure, and breakover angles, which if you had the lower floor, like a Colorado or Ranger, you'd sacrifice a little bit unless you had more suspension heights. You know, everything's a balance. Um, so this year, the, um, the TRD Pro, I, I think this is the first one I've had with the power seat. Uh, it's got, it's got nice seats in it and power height adjustable. And because I'm short, I don't mind the lack of headroom in the (laughs) Tacoma so I can crank that thing up. Uh, it makes a big difference. Um, Dan Edmonds, I think said on on Twitter a while ago when we were having truck chat, um, that, you know, that power seat does make a difference more than you'd think. And, and he's right. Um, it's, uh, it's an, it's a little bit more comfortable with the better seats. Um, it's still kind of a weird uh, step up into it for such a tiny truck. The bed is small, but I think that's part of the charm of it too, is that it's, it is that medium sized truck. The V6 in the tier, this TRD pro, I, I don't want to mangle the name. Um, so it has a different, like sort of huskier sounding exhaust. So it sounds pretty good when you get it up on the highway and you just, you know, you merge, it has a nice bark to it. It has the upgraded infotainment this year, which was new for me in a Toyota was uh, to playing with um, the Apple CarPlay on the screen. Um, so that's, it, it, that's pretty good. It's, you know, it's still, it's a coma, so it's not super fuel efficient. It is expensive. Uh, not my favorite place to be, but still, you know, I can see why it has the, the, the loyal owner base. It, it's nice when you get the, it has the sunroof and the back window that opens and the, the all four cab windows is a crew cab. So it, it, it's a nice sort of close coupled comfy truck. Truth is, you know, none of the mid-sized trucks are actually all that fuel efficient. So no, and they're yeah. not all that big either. And when you start yeah. when you start adding options, they get just as expensive as as the larger trucks. So which, which if, is which is exactly why Ford dropped the Ranger you know, originally. Yeah. Um, so, but it's a commitment. And if you go, I think you know that's why we have the Ranger we do. Is that was around for a while before they brought it to this market. They're not going to re-engineer it just for this market to bring it here. They're going to, they're going to update it a bit and fine. If you want it, you're going to pay for it. And it's, it's not going to be quite as nice as our flagship, the F-150. Uh, and, and that, that holds true, but it's still a, a decent, you know, mid-sized truck. It's, it's just, I think the Tacoma would whip its ass off. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I mean, I think the next generation Ranger, you know, which will, actually is probably only going to be about a year or two away. You know, that's probably going to be built on the same platform as the new Bronco. That's going to be next week. And, you know, so that one, I I suspect there's going to be a true off-road version of that thing. Yeah. Well, and you know, the Colorado ZR2 is probably the closest. Yeah. Which yeah, the the ZR, the ZR2 is really capable. Yeah. So there's, there's life in the midsize truck segment. It's just, um, they're not really a feeder. You know, they're, they're not the farm team for the big trucks. They're, they're sort of a thing for their own. Mm-hmm. If you want it, it's there. Um, but they don't, you don't tend to graduate, I don't think. It's one of those vehicles that I liked it. And then when I saw the price, I went, oh. Right. I think there's better choices, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah. overall, I mean, for... I think for city driving, and I don't mean like, you know, New York City, I mean like, you know, kind of that suburban driving. I liked the size a lot, yeah. you know, because yeah. obviously it's- a full-size pickup truck requires, as we talked about earlier, room. And so I like this, the size of the Tacoma. My concern is that I just feel like Toyota, 
it, you know, they've been so dependent upon baby boomers for the last 40 years that they've, they have got to recognize that the market is very different than it was even really 10 years ago. One of these days, they're going to actually refresh the whole thing too. Yeah. <laughs> that will be something to see. Instead of piecemeal. Um, um, I've prattled on long enough. Um, did we cover all the cars? Or is it your no. Um, I had the Volvo V60 T8 Polestar engineered, which um, is, I love the V60. You know, I, if I, if I was going to buy a Volvo, this is the one I would buy. Probably not the Polestar engineered, um, but definitely the, you know, the V60 as opposed, and not the cross country. A few months ago, I had the cross country, which is the same thing, you know, given the outback effect, you know, low, yeah. raise it up an inch or two and put some wheel arch extensions. Yeah, you don't need any of that stuff. Just get a I, regular V60. I liked the cross country though. It was, it was comfy-ish. I, I did too. Sharp looking, but, you know. But I like this one a lot better. The T8 is the plug-in hybrid. Um, so you get the um, two-liter four-cylinder is turbocharged and supercharged for 315 horsepower and then another 100 horsepower from the electric motor at the rear axle. So now you have all-wheel drive, plug-in hybrid. Um, it, it'll do about, uh, about 22, 23 miles on a charge uh, when you charge it up. So you know, I plugged in at night and I was able to do most of the driving I was doing, you know, without using any gas. Um, you know, it was, you know, it, it's just, I think it's just the perfect size. You know, the, I like the V90 too, but the V90 is a little bit big for me. You know, I think the, the V60 is just the right size. You know, it's got plenty of room in the back. You know, we took it to go out to the lake uh, last week, you know, to, you know, spend the morning at the, at the lake, you know, through the paddleboard in the back and some chairs and stuff. Did and you tow anything with it? I did not tow anything okay. with it. I don't have a trailer. <laughs> I don't have anything to tow. I, everything I take, if it's, it's got to fit inside or it doesn't go. So, you know, I think we need air streams, all three yeah. of us. So <laughs> when we get a truck, we can, we can tow something. Yeah. Um, you know, but you know, the, this one was the Polestar engineered. So it's the more slightly more performance oriented version. It's not any faster because it's still got the same powertrain. you know, 415 horsepower, but um, you know, it's got uh, a little bit stiffer suspension. The steering feels good, but the, the, the ride quality was definitely degraded a little bit because you've got yeah. that stiff suspension. The wheels, you know, the wheels are a good size. They're all, you know, 18 inch wheels, which I think are good, you know, fairly low profile tires. So, and, and you, you feel the the frost heaves and stuff like that more so than you do in like the cross country or a regular V60. The the seats are great. We don't need to go on and on again about census. You know, that's going to be going away soon anyway. But, you know, the rest of this car is fantastic. The only issue I had was the price tag. So, you know, it's like just shy of $70,000 delivered. Um, but, you know, that's, you know, several thousand for that Polestar package on there. If you skip the, the plug-in hybrid and go with the, the T6, uh, you know, 315 horsepower, it's still plenty quick and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be quite a bit cheaper. That's an insane amount of money for that car. Though. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, you compare it to, you know, uh, a, you know, an Audi wagon or a BMW wagon or a Mercedes wagon, you know, you're going to be paying at least that much or more for those too. Yeah. But the value is not going to be there at the end. Right. That's, that's always been the issue with Volvo though, is that their, their value just goes, which is great when you bought them used like I did because right. <laughs> yeah. they are a lot of car for the dollar. 
Fair on enough. the used market. You know, they're very safe. They're they're style wise, they're they're great, and they're they're pretty high quality. They're pretty well made. Um, but for that money, if you drive the competitors, like you were talking about the ride degradation, I don't I don't know that the the, um, the all road I, is going to ride as harshly, but it's probably going to drive better. Yeah, um, it, it's. It, the yeah definitely you know the the Audis and the BMWs I think have a little better ride quality in their higher end models certainly this one you know if I haven't driven the V60 in the you know non Polestar version other than the cross country uh, driven the uh, the S60 and you know it definitely had better ride quality than this one did so you know I think it's a, a big part of it is you know going for that Polestar engineered package. Um, if you, if you skip that, you know, then you're going to save some money and you're going to have something that's going to ride a little better. All right. So news this week, um, Ford announced that there's going to be a family of Broncos. They've been doing the world's longest drip campaign of Bronco. (laughs) I know. I think we say that every time with Ford, with every Ford, Ford, especially they're, they're they're notorious for that. They're going to, they're going to reveal the whole thing next week. Um, yeah, but we know now that there's, you know, that the, there's going to be three, three Bronco variants. There's going to be, um, the Bronco sport, which is the, what they have previously been referring to as the, um, rugged unibody off-road, you know, utility or something ridiculous like that. (laughs) Yeah. It's, this is, this is the one that's based on the escape platform, uh, but has a, a little more squared off styling, more like the other Broncos. And, um, you know, that's, you know, this is one that's going, you know, clearly aimed right at like the, the, the compass trail hawk or the Cherokee trail hawk. It's, you know, it's in that segment, you know, with real off-road capability. Um, and then you've got the two door Bronco and the four door Bronco. Why do you think Ford's going so hard at, at Jeep? Just because Jeep is the sort of the only <laughs> that's funny uh the old jeep tagline there's only one um yeah that's just well, except, just, there's except, only one jeep yeah you know, one, one of the one of the things in the in the press release you know about announcing the bronco family is they emphasize the fact that you know back in world war ii you know ford actually built uh that's jeeps true. you know they built a lot of the you know they built like a quarter million jeeps for the army and you know Ford continued building um, you know jeeps up through the 1950s. They but only for the military. They never built civilian jeeps, you know. And then in the 60s they brought out the original Bronco in in 66. Um, but you know, clear, I think you know they see a market. You know, there's there's clearly a market for jeeps. You know, for more off-road type vehicles like jeeps, the Land Rover Defender, and you know things like that. And they want to grab a piece of that market. You know, they've you know they've got you know these flexible platforms that they've developed, you know, it makes it relatively straightforward for them to do these different variations on those platforms. And, you know, I think they, they see a potential to make some money there. And, you know, those, those off-road versions have a lot higher margins. You know, you're going to make a lot more money on a Bronco than you're going to, you know, on a Bronco sport than you're going to make on an escape probably. That's true. And, and I mean, I think that, the Jeep brand, the value, the cachet of that brand alone is worth billions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, I mean, the, the demographics of who buys a Jeep is really enviable. You know, it's the, I've called it the brand of busboys and billionaires. You know, it's like they, they don't have a specific buyer. And that is very valuable for, you know, we were just talking about Toyota, right? 
And so if you can diversify your ownership base like Jeep has, that's valuable. And that's exactly what Ford wants to do. And, you know, like Jeep, you know, with the, the two-door and four-door Broncos, not the Sport, but the, the other two, the two real Broncos, um, you know, and they're doing the same kinds of things that Jeep does with the Wrangler. You're going to have the removable tops and removable doors, and they're going to have a whole range of, uh, of, you know, accessories that you can buy and customize them, personalize them any way you want. Uh, and we'll, we'll be learning a lot more about that next week. I just, I, the only thing I really want for to do is, you know, that really cool kind of orangey color that a lot of them have that's sort of like almost like a sunset color. Just really want them to name that OJ. Don't do that. (laughs) Well, you know, the, thank you, Rick. The the original date that they picked for the, you know, for the reveal was July 9th. (laughs) Which was the day of the slow speed chase. Oh no. Yeah, oh, and then at first right. it was OJ's birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, the, then you know and then the I, I'm pretty sure they did that. Ch- I'm pretty sure they did that on purpose. Um you know, they they won't talk about it, but I'm pretty sure they did it on purpose. Uh, but they ended up changing it to the thirteenth, so it's oh, gonna be next Monday instead. Gosh. So we'll have more to say about the Bronco next week. Um but uh, sticking with SUVs for a minute, uh, today, earlier today, Audi revealed the uh, Q4 e-tron Sportback, um, which is, is so cute. I love it. I yeah, love I them. mean, you know, they, they showed the the Q4 um, e-tron lot. What at Frankfurt last year, I think. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then they had it at CES this year. You know, so it's a compact crossover. It's built on the VW's MEB platform. Uh, so it'll be the first Audi on the MEB platform, uh, and it's you know more traditional utility, uh, you know crossover shape wagon shape, and the Sportback is you know like the other Sportbacks, like the the e- the bigger e-tron Sportback and the various other Sportbacks that Audi's doing. You know, it's got the the fastback roofline on it, and uh, what do you so you like it, Rebecca? Well, I am incredibly partial to that that really rakish, totally impractical roof line, I admit. So, you know, I love the G- the Mercedes GLE and GLC. Um, I, lo- I actually love the Audi Q8. So I love that sort of just, I just think it's a really cool roof line. I don't know what it is about it. I, but I love the X6 too, which a lot of people can't stand. So I, I, but the Q4, I mean, this looks really, really cute. It looks, it, and I don't mean that cute in a bad way. Like, it just, it looks like it's a lot of fun. I mean, the, the rendering that, you know, the tires look like they're 20 inches, so maybe not get that big tires, but you know, I love that sort of size, that really fun urban runabout. Uh, but then there's, there is some level of practicality to it cause it's a hatchback. And so I think it's really fun. It's a little short and kind of hulking, but I, I think that's also kind of what they were so going cute, for. Though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that is exactly what they were going for was that yeah. kind of, hulking look you know but in a smaller vehicle yeah um i i think that you know what i really want to see is is this stuff move down market um we're just starting to get this flood of or it's it's not even the first wave either really right of premium evs and they're really well done but they're still premium cars and and I really, I love EVs, but 
they're not they're not going to catch on more widely until they're easier to buy. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, this thing's probably going to start, you know, in the mid forties, you know, forty five yeah. or so. I mean, at least you'll be able to buy one. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, like the the, the, the common I get it things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all those those things that we throw stones about, like that, will be easier with with Audi and and uh, sort of an established sales and service structure. Um, but I want the Volkswagen version of this. Uh, or the same. Well, yeah, but there would be though. <laughs> I mean, but and there's going to be those versions. Yeah, but the, the, thing the is, ID4 is yeah. coming. But when uh, you look and, at, oh, go ahead, Sam. I was just going to say the ID4 was originally scheduled to be revealed at the Detroit Auto Show last month, uh, but obviously that hasn't happened. So we're going to see it uh, in an online reveal coming up sometime in the next few months. But Dan, to your point of when you look at the technology adoption curve. It is people, the early adopters, the innovators and the early adopters, they are, they have the financial wherewithal to take on what is perceived as risk. And I'm not saying the electric vehicles are a risk, but the perception is they're different. And as I've said before, you have to show people, you have to show mainstream buyers that an EV is better than an internal combustion engine. It's better than their current situation or their solution for mobility. And that's the problem is that these aren't marketed correctly. They're, they, and, and, and there's, you know, I have, I have the X3e this week as well. And it's a pain. I mean, it's a pain to plug in and it's especially a pain in bad weather. I mean, I'm, I, I have a single car garage that frankly I use as storage. So I'm not, I don't have a garage and it, you know, dragging that cord everywhere and stuff. It's just a hassle. And I don't see it as being better, a better solution than an ice engine. And that's part of the challenge, I think, regardless of how much, of how much it is. See, most people would say, you know, certainly most EV owners would say the opposite, you know, that, you know, the fact that they can pull in, plug it in, go in the house and, and you know, unplug it in the morning and never have to go to a gas station is far more convenient. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't feel like going to a gas station is as much of a challenge. I mean, and we all live in, you know, bad weather states. And, oh. you know, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I just feel like I, I don't want to take too much time on this, but I feel like, you know, in, in when it's nice out, sure. I have no problem with this, but if I am dressed up and then I get home and it's snowing and it's 10 o'clock at night, I do not want to have to fight with that cord and drag it through the snow and rain. I yeah, that's, that's fair. That's, yeah, that's still a um, still a feature. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and I think you know this is this is one of the challenges that automakers are going to have. You know, is that most most EV you know mo- most EV owners today, I think you know still you know they have a charger in their garage, you know, and they pull into the garage, plug it in, and and uh, and you know, so they don't have that hassle of dragging the cord through the snow. Right. Um, it, I but, want you know how they have those you know how they have those ramps like the you know when you're going to load a car onto a flatbed or something mm-hmm. like that. I want the lower versions of those, and when I drive the car up there, 
it automatically starts charging. I want that wireless charging pad, but I want it to be part of the The, ramp. That's fine. It's going to make you glow at night with all that electromagnetic (laughs) radiation. Well, you know, the the challenge challenge with wireless charging right now is it's still a lot more expensive. I know. know. and there's, you know, there's a standard now that's finally been put in place. And the oh, companies okay. that are working on this stuff, you know, are, are updating their hardware to make it comply with the standard so that it'll be interoperable. So you can have a car that's got a Ytricity receiver on it and you can go plug it in on a, a momentum dynamic, you know, or pl- park it over a momentum dynamics charging pad and it'll just charge. Um, you know, up until now, everybody's, all the different companies have been proprietary and you know the it's you know several thousand dollars for a wireless charging system for a plug-in car, and you know it it hasn't really been practical. Um, right. You know, well, wireless it, charging is also inefficient, though, right? Like it's it's um, it's gotten a lot better. Uh, yeah. You know they're you know they claim you know the companies that do this stuff are claiming that it's like ninety two ninety three percent efficient. Um, you know. For, which is like a per, wire. Per, yeah, a wire, you know, is about 95, 96% efficient. Well, that's, um, that's not bad, yeah. Dep- depending on, on the, the charging rate. Um, you know, if you're doing, actually, if you're doing, if you're charging from a 110 volt outlet. That's uh, also it, inefficient, yeah. It's actually a lot less efficient. Um, okay. You know, you're going to actually end up using a lot more power if you're plugging it into a standard wall outlet than if you have a 240 volt uh charging outlet the wireless charging efficiency is not so much a problem anymore but it is costly it will get here eventually but um you know i think the the challenge really is you know to expand beyond people that have a garage you know if you're if you have street parking you know if you live you know someplace where you don't you know if if you're in an older neighborhood where you don't have a a renter yeah or if you're a renter you know, or, you know, living in a multifamily in a households don't always you know, have you know, town, townhouses, you know, you may not have access to somewhere where you can plug it in. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's a real issue, you know, that makes it really hard unless you have access to workplace charging or something like that. Right. So Rick, would you think about then, because you've got, you said you've got a commute of 34 miles one way. Mm-hmm. Um, so is that something then you can charge at, home or at work, assuming that everyone goes back to work at some point in time? I have a garage and I could charge it in the garage. So, okay. so that, that's no problem. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be using the Miata for my daily commute, <laughs> which, you know, I'm looking forward to once I can actually go back to work. But right. I know at some point I will end up with an electric car for that, for that commute. I just... It's a, great, it's a great length of, I mean, it's a perfect distance to drive for an EV drive, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just don't want it to be an SUV. We have, we have a CX-5, and, and I have the van if I want to haul the dogs around. But, you know, I, I just don't want an SUV to drive everything. <laughs> well, well, unfortunately, uh, within a couple of years, <laughs> there's going to be nothing but SUVs left. So. I know. It's so sad. Yeah. Oh, one more. BMW feature subscriptions. Ah, uh, yes. I hate this. <laughs> I mean, it's, it, I know it's the future, but God, I hate it. It's so <laughs> abusive of the customers. Um, like you bought the thing, but you can't have all the stuff indefinitely like that. That offends me. The fact that they're going to make you rent <laughs> stuff like heated seats. Well, um, yes and no. I mean, it, it depends a lot on, on how they price it. 
you know, it, no, you know for no, example, when you, you buy know, the it, car with the feature, you should have the feature. Yes. Not like subscribe to the feature. Screw you. I'll go I mean, without. if you only want it three months a year. I want it then, all the time because I bought it. <laughs> I paid for it. Well, I think it's different though. I mean, I think that if it's different, if I mean, they can't, they should not change this on existing purchases in no, the future. Right. So in the future, I think that's a, a different situation then. I can see like, it is true. It, it is, it is going to be coming. BMW is not the only automaker to do it. When uh, we got the walkthrough of the latest Uconnect, they were talking about the same kind of thing where you can add features uh, through a, basically a market that's built into the system. Um, I don't know if it goes as deep as adding, you know, heated seats and stuff like that. Uh, I, I guess on the one hand, it, it makes the cars cheaper to produce because they're all the same. But then on the other hand, it's kind of wasteful because they all have you know, the power mirrors and the heated seats and the heated steering wheel, they're just not enabled. So like all the hardware is there, but you're not going to use it unless you get somebody to pay for it, but it's already been purchased by the manufacturer. Like, see that just, again, it offends me. It seems inefficient and wasteful. Um, And just like, they're just going to suck the money out of you every month. (laughs) (laughs) I hate it. Well, and you know, I, I talked to Very passionate uh, I talked this. to somebody from BMW after they did this <laughs> event last week and you know talked about this stuff. And you know, they said that it's gonna be it's gonna vary from market to market. They're they're not gonna do this the same thing everywhere globally. Um, you know, and it's gonna depend on what the, the customer acceptance is, you know, especially you know, um, in Europe where more people tend to custom order their cars versus here. You know, they buy them, uh, you know, they, they buy them off the lot primarily, you know, 90% of them are bought off the lot. Um, you know, they will probably not be doing as much of the feature subscription in North America as they, as they might in Europe or in China. Um, and, you know, they're going to be experimenting, you know, I mean, they, they, you know, certainly when they tried to do this with um, Apple CarPlay last year, you know, oh, they, they got a, they got a lot of negative <laughs> feedback on that, and you know they pulled back on that, well, and so that's why they're they're rethinking the whole plan for North America. It's offensive. It's usurious. It's just it's like you know um, I I know what they're trying to do. You know, it's in in business you want to get a consistent revenue stream, and so they're mm-hmm. trying to fix their revenue stream. I get it, but it's it seems really customer hostile to me. Um, but you know, people have proven that they're willing to pay a subscription if it was five bucks a month. Uh, yeah. It, d- it depends seats. on how much they charge for it. Right. Like I, I don't see that that's necessarily a roadblock for people. People pay more than that for, for Netflix or, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. So, or for Starbucks coffee every day. So right. Wilma Ali says to me, this just feels like another path to planned obsolescence. Like you see in various tech devices. It could be, yeah. Um, um, not, it could also be not a, necessarily. A path to, yeah, it could be a path to sort of future proofing to a certain degree if it's software enabled. Yeah, um, well, and that's that's the thing. You know, uh, cars tend to last a lot longer than most tech devices. You know, they these are you know the average car on the road in the U.S. now is over twelve years old. Um, you know, these things frequently last twenty, twenty five, thirty years, and so. You know the ability to update and add features, you know, within 
within reason, you know, over the life of the car and, you know, change the functionality of the car, you know, is actually the opposite of planned obsolescence. You know, you're, you're saying, okay, you're not, you're no longer locked into what you bought on day one. You know, now you can, you can add new features as you go along, uh, depending on what you want to pay for. Or with BMW um, and, and all the high-end Europeans, where they take multiple bites at the Apple with CPO. So you're not stuck with what the original dealership or owner ordered. Mm. Yeah. Now you get the car, yeah. oh, you know, if you want that three-year-old three series as a CPO, uh, but you decide that you want the heated steering wheel that the other guy didn't. It's there. You just pay for it to unlock it. So I, I see the value there. I will say, like the, the first car I ever had, I scrounged junkyards for the, the options that it didn't have, and then I put them in the car. Which <laughs> is, you know, a much more analog way to go about the very same thing. So I I, I get it, um, and and so that has some appeal. Uh, if the car's not that old, it's just when you start to get to, you know, seven or ten year old car that you've still got to pay a monthly fee to, to use stuff. That, that's where it starts to get a little bit. Well, and you know what, you know, what they said was that, you know, features, you know, there'd be features that you can buy on a month to month basis, or you can also, you know, buy it permanent. You know, so, you know, if you, if you know, you're going to want the heated seats or, you know, the driver assist features, you can just pay once and have it forever. Yeah, you know, like software that I've bought the license for yeah. that, oh, by the way, uh, we're going to sunset that version and you need to buy a new one. We don't care. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, part of the problem here, you know, is that, you know, Tesla, you know, showed, okay, you can do over-the-air software updates on cars. And, you know, now, you know, this is one of the things people see cool about Tesla, the ability to, you know, update and add new functionality to the car over its life instead of it being stuck at whatever spec it was at when it came from the factory. And the problem, you know, the challenge with that is, you know, if you're going to do, you know, ongoing improvements to the software, that stuff costs money. You know, it costs money to, you know, for the software developers and the engineers to, you know, to test this, you know, develop and test this stuff. And, you know, somebody's got to pay for it, you know. Um, so having a recurring revenue stream that can fund that is going to be crucial. Otherwise, you know, you just can't make a, make a viable business case for it. I mean, if improvements are truly improvements, I'm okay with it to a certain degree. I would pay extra to get minimalist displays, especially now that we're going to, um, you know, the, the TFT instrument panels and, uh, you know, everybody has that large screen. I would, I would pay more money in my own car to get the display that I want um, instead of the thing with all the animations and colors and drop shadows and nonsense. Like just, just. I know, but you pick the cheapest one though. We know you. No, I, 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 I would <laughs> certainly pay extra will to, the, to not have any screens in my car. Yeah, I would definitely. No, no touch I, screens. None. No screens. Yeah, no screens. Like zero. Analog dials. Thank you. <laughs> my, my car has no screens. <laughs> yeah. My, I don't have a car right now. You have a 30-year-old <laughs> Miata. Of course well, it doesn't, it have, doesn't any have any screens. screens. <laughs> That's why I, I have a 30-year-old Miata. Yeah, I bet there's but, an LCD in there at least. The 2.99. Just a little one in the radio. Yeah, yeah. The 2.995 million dollar Bugatti I drove didn't have any screens either. <laughs> Don't say three million was my instruction. <laughs> yeah, but that also didn't have any taste, right? What was that? Yeah. Was a, a Veyron or a Chevron? The Veyron. Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I'm sorry. It was the Shiro. It was. A, it was the yes. It was the anyway. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's that's a wrap for this week. Um, thanks, guys, for joining us. And, yes. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week. I hope. All right. Thanks, everybody. All right, guys. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.